G'day there everybody, Vaughn from Grave Forsaken here with another episode of the Grave Forsaken podcast. Hope you're all doing well and thanks for tuning in. I don't have any specific new news in this episode of the podcast, just that uh, the album is still on its way, still still getting worked on, nothing's changed on there since the last episode and um, as soon as we can give you some more concrete details, we'll be very happy to do that and yeah, just really, really looking forward to getting the album out. It's really exciting. I've been working on this one for, for a couple of years now. It's it's taken a while to get all the various parts together and recorded and then bring them all together to get them mixed. So it's really exciting to be at the point where we're not all that far off, uh, off a release and certainly that will come uh, this year in 2020. So really, really looking forward to, to bringing that to you and um, Looking forward to your feedback on it as well. One of the things I really enjoy when we put out an album is, you know, I start getting emails from people giving me their opinions on the album, and um, that's always really, really, really cool to hear and get that feedback. And you know, we apply some of it to the next one, and you know, hear what people are looking for and try to get a gauge of what what people like about what we're doing. And um, you know, we try to incorporate that into whatever we're doing next and hopefully you know each time we put something out that that reflects you know our own our own musical taste and our own songwriting styles uh and and the kind of music that we we like to put out but also um that's in line with with what people who like the band want to hear because i mean when you think about it if we're putting out this music uh then oh, that's just a alarm on my phone. Sorry about that beep. Uh, if we're putting putting out this music, um, then you know, it goes without saying that that we should we should enjoy the style, and it also goes without saying that people who are listening to the band should also, you know, enjoy the style. It it, it sort of makes perfect sense. So uh, we always hope to put music out that. Will, will please people who like the band and have liked what we've done in the past. You know, we want to, we don't want to disappoint people with our music. We want to, we want to have people enjoy it and be encouraged by the message and, you know, maybe be a bit thought provoking as well and just, just communicate our view on things and our take on spirituality and Christianity and God and life and, um, just all of those, all of those uh, things that we like to talk about um, in our music, and yeah, hopefully give you an enjoyable listening experience. So, very much looking forward to that. Uh, on my latest video update, I talked a bit about the um, the mortification uh, vinyl reissues for Envision Evangeline and Triumph of Mercy. They were really influential albums for me. Um, both albums that I really listened to a great deal when they were new releases and and in the subsequent years and um yeah that that whole era of mortification um well the whole whole history of mortification but probably in particular that um mid to late 90s era of mortification was was as big a musical influence on grave forsaken as any any band there was i mean there was so much there was so much to to go on with with mortification being with ourselves being an Australian band. Um, there was just such an obvious influence, and I mean, you had a lot of Christian metal bands at the time, 
you know, were naturally from from America. And so, you know, listening to a lot of bands like Bride and Striper and Deliverance and Tourniquet and Baron Cross and Saint, they're some of the key ones that, that I was into, Vengeance Rising. I mean, I'm sure they're bands that, that most people who would listen to this uh, podcast would would be um would be into and there's obviously heaps more as well. I just named some of the ones that come to mind straight away as, as bands I listen to a lot. Um yeah, they were all they were all from America and, and the world wasn't as connected in those days with the internet. So uh those people were were really just um they were names and pictures in a in a C D booklet. Uh but the difference with modification was they they were Australian so um, you know, I could relate, even though I come from the other side of Australia, I could relate a lot more to, to mortification. I'd look at their pictures and, um, in, in the booklets and, you know, they, they lived, um, obviously in the same country as me. So I was, I was more familiar with, with the setting, even though I hadn't actually, um, been, been to Melbourne at the time. Uh, I was, I was a lot more familiar with, with Melbourne as a, you know, as a concept through football, um, you know, we, we, we had teams from our state who would play football teams from Victoria. So, you know, we were, we were familiar with the suburb names and all that kind of thing. It was just a lot more connected. So having that Australian influence was, was really important for me. And it also, it was inspiring because you had, you had this band from Australia that was putting out, uh, albums and, and very, very good albums on the same record labels as these um, other bands from the United States. So, yeah, it, to to a sort of teenager, aspiring sort of uh, musician, as I was at the time, it was pretty uh, it was pretty exciting to um, to ha- have a band from Australia that I could could relate to and look up to and. Um, so yeah, I was definitely on board with that. I didn't, I didn't actually get to see Mortification live uh, when they came to Perth. Like, um, I think they came to Perth for the Blood World, Blood World album, but um, I either didn't hear about it, or it must have been, you know, uh, maybe just a little, little bit before I got into them. Though no, I was into them by then. So. It's actually a bit of a mystery to me how I didn't hear about it. It might have just purely been because um, I just wasn't in in the circles at the time. But yeah, I did miss I did miss a mortification show. There's that alarm going off again. Um, I did miss a mortification show, and, and yeah, I look back on that with a bit of disappointment. But what I did do was in um, 1997, early 1997, I, I visited Melbourne and I'd managed to get the contact details for for a couple of the uh, mortification people. So um, I managed to get in touch with Keith Bannister, and who was the drummer at the time, and, and also Jason Sherlock. And I was able to spend a bit of time with those guys in Melbourne um, around early 1997 so so right in between the time when um uh Envision Evangeline and Triumph of Mercy came out and that was that was while Steve was um very sick so I didn't actually get an opportunity to to meet Steve at the time um but it was uh 
I was just I was overwhelmed by the hospitality and the uh, friendliness that that Jason and Keith showed me. And um, at the time, Keith was doing a lot of work for Rove Productions. I remember so he he gave me a little bit of an insight into what was going on with that label, and he showed me a few um, you know designs for some upcoming projects and all that. So it was um, it was really really exciting uh, trip for me over to Melbourne at the time and very inspiring in terms of uh, my own uh, musical um, endeavors at the time uh, I was I was playing in a band called sanctified uh, which which was really a precursor band to to grave forsaken and um, you know I remember talking about my plans and hopes for that band with, with those guys. And they were very encouraging. Like there was still at the very formative stages back in those days. I was, um, 97, I would have been just turned 18. So, um, yeah, I was still, still pretty young in those days, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, looking to get involved in the, in the music scene. And yeah, I was jamming with my band sanctified at the time. We didn't have anything out or anything, uh, that never really, we never really got recording. Um, took us sort of five or six years to really get the ball rolling. By the time you know we we got to the point where where Grave Forsaken had sort of formed out of some of those early early bands that I had um, back in those days. So no, no one from from that original Sanctified band was was in Grave Forsaken by the time we released our first EP. So even though Gravesaken kind of, you know, directly stemmed from Sanctified. Um, we went from being Sanctified to being Katara to Gravesaken. We had had a few lineup changes in between, and so so what eventually became Gravesaken, I, I was the only guy left over from um, from what started as Sanctified, if that if that makes sense. But it was still it was always kind of the same project. It was me. Um, you know, I was kind of always along with other people, but sort of driving that as best as I could. Um, and so I guess it's sort of the, the project kind of, you know, went, went down through the evolved over five or six years, I guess, to, um, to become grave forsaken. And so, yeah, they, they were, they were very influential times for me and, um, I've got super fond memories of um, of those days of you know listening to Mortification and being inspired and certainly singing along to those songs in in the car and I guess having a similar Australian accent to Steve Rowe meant that I was able to um, you know quite effectively um, sing in in a somewhat similar style uh, to his I guess you know when when he moved from death metal vocals to his more uh, straightforward, um, sort of, you know, the later sort of Steve Rowe style that, that mortification went down the road, that, that was a heavy influence on me. Um, I mean, early on, I used to do a bit of a combination of different vocals of, um, of, you know, more like what I, what I do now on the mortification, on the, on the, on the Grave Forsaken albums. But, uh, you know, initially, when I was doing vocals, 
I also did them in a bit of a death metal style, but um, I I just found it was better uh, over time. Just sort of suited my my voice more to do do the the grave forsaken style that I ended up with. Um, I found it was more. I found doing that live was it was better to get through like a, a forty or fifty minute set singing that way. Like I just found it was. Um, I could I could deliver the the vocals more more consistently and um, you know with, with a bit more energy uh, singing that way in the more sort of I guess shoutier style rather than than the sort of death metal style that uh, we initially started with. So, but that was I don't I don't think it was ever a conscious choice. I don't think I ever sat down and said, okay, I'm going to switch from here to here. I just, I just think as I was, you know, recording demos and different bits and pieces at, in in the early days of, you know, doing vocals, I just found it easier to be. Um, I just found I could be more consistent with the, with the shoutier style of vocals that that my vocals kind of became over the years, um, rather than like a more sort of death metal style. Like I do some, probably the only example of that is on the very first Grave Forsaken EP. There's um we do a version Northwind and it's, it's got more of a, more of a death metal style vocal on it. Um, and that's probably the best example of, of when I used that style. Um, I used to, in the early days, do a lot of, a lot of the vocals like that. Um, but I think also now, now that I think about it and I'm just really sort of, um, talking as I'm thinking here, I think we weren't, our musical style wasn't really, death metal at all so probably probably naturally moved more in that shoutier style because it probably it probably better suited the music that we're writing we're finding that we weren't writing death metal music that our music was more coming out um not quite as heavy as as like a lot of the death metal stuff so that was probably a subconscious influence as well but like anything like we never we never sat down and said okay we're going to make an album and it's going to sound like this, this and this. And, you know, we're going to record a song that sounds like this and like that. Kind of what I touched on in the last podcast. It all kind of happens naturally. It doesn't... Um, I mean, some bands might sit down and plot it, but we certainly never did. We'd certainly talk about style and, oh, it'd be good to do a little bit of a faster tempo song here or maybe if we could do some heavier riffing here or, oh, I've got this riff in it you know, sounds a bit bit like this band or that band. You know, so it's not like you'd completely ignore talking about style and sound, but it was never the first priority. The first priority was always putting together songs and um, putting together lyrics and fitting them together and and then at the end, you know, doing a demo and then deciding, oh, you know, we, we quite like that song and that's worth, that's worth pursuing. Like, o- over the years, we've you know, we've had lots of song ideas that have gone nowhere that have just ended up on the, on the scrap heap pretty much. Um, you know, we might've done a a demo of them and, or we might've started jamming them at band practice, but for, for whatever reason, certain songs just never, um, just never become album tracks. Uh, it's, it's just the nature of it. So I've, I've got, I've got a, uh, 
container out in my shed with with files and files of of you know riffs and lyrics that you know scraps here and there um that that have been written over the years but never never developed further than that and then then every now and then like uh I'll I'll actually I'll go through those those songs and lyrics and I might I might pick one out I might say oh, I always liked that lyric and it never got used and I'll see if I can incorporate that on on a future project and then you know Luke might put together a song for example and um I might think ah oh, those lyrics I wrote back you know 10 years ago about that topic that that might actually fit that that riff so so sometimes you might then revisit a song idea or a lyric from a long time ago but again it's not like you sit down and say oh I'm going to I'm going to put these five songs and I'm going to write music for them and uh put these lyrics with that one and it's 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 more like um it it it's more it's more natural than that it's it's you know what whatever whatever you think at the time might suit the song whatever spark of inspiration you have to to revisit a particular thing or or write something new and then the song just evolves out of that and and then you you look at it and um you know once you put together a bunch of songs that you start to start to get to the point where you think oh I've got an album here now so it's a very natural process rather than a forced process and uh it's one of it's one of the things I love love about doing music because you start with this blank slate and then you know after a lot of energy and effort putting things together and getting parts recorded and you know getting getting them all recorded to a level that's you know satisfactory for what you're trying to do um you know you put all these these ideas together and uh you know it can take a long time and uh then then you put out put out an album and then it's got it's got this particular vibe and style to it and sometimes you don't even know what that vibe is until you know quite a number of years after after you've put it out um because when you're doing it it's so you know so so sort of in it that you you can't really have a perspective on it but yeah I find all that sort of stuff interesting and I certainly find it interesting to talk about so anyway we're we're getting up towards 19 minutes now for this um this episode of the podcast so I might actually leave it there um so thanks for tuning in uh, look out for the next one to become available and yeah just hope that you're doing really well and um I'll catch you in the next episode God bless and rock on.